Do you love babies? Oh, yeah, they're so cute. Their beautiful eyes, the nose, and tiny hands and feet. Oh, the babies smell so great, right? But, I mean, I love holding babies and just, just love them. But when they start crying, oh, <laughs> when they poo, <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> okay, here you go, here you go. <laughs> Give the baby back to the mom, right? <laughs> Uh, we can do that, enjoy the, the beautiful moments of the babies, but when, when the babies get fussy, they get hungry, they get whiny and crying or dirty, then we give the babies back to moms. Moms are stuck with babies 24-7. When the baby gets sick or, or whiny or whatever, moms go through the whole thing, right? So yes, moms are just uh, amazing. I, I don't know how we can do live our lives without moms. And today, since tomorrow is a Mother's Day, I wanted to focus on mothers and, and think about what mothers do to us and what they have done. And also talk about a great mother in the Bible. And so my sermon title today is A Nameless Nanny. If you can come with me to Exodus chapter 2, verse, starting from verse 1. Exodus 2, verse 1, it says, Now a na- man named... A man of house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her slave girl to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then her, his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. We know this story so well, and I spoke on this a couple times, so I mean, everybody knows this story really well. But I want to focus on something different today, uh, even in the same story. And uh, the verse one says, she hid the baby for three months. How was it possible? A three-month-old baby, a three-month-old. So what's the youngest baby in our church? Who's the youngest baby? It's Carla's baby. So it's Aria. Uh, Carla and Kerwin's baby, Aria, she's so cute. You saw the pictures, right? So cute. And she's about five months now. So she's already past that age. But at three months, babies start to gain strength in their neck so they can, they can support their neck a little bit. And they can eat a little bit more. Their stomach's growing a little bit better, so uh, bigger. They can eat a little bit more. They wake up every four to six hours at night instead of two, three hours at night but they still do wake up to, to nurse. <coughs> Excuse me. 
And they take maybe a few uh, naps throughout the day, maybe for about an hour or two. That's about three months. But they do, still do cry. They still have to wake up at night. Um, so just imagine Moses' mother hiding the baby for three months. When the baby cries, how, how do you do it? I mean, just, just imagine you are the mother, and if you get caught, what's the consequence? Death. Well, not only the baby will die, but you will die too. You probably whole your family will go through that consequence. So I wonder how she was able to keep the baby non-existent. I mean, one easy way people may think is that, you know what, you can dress her up, dress him up as a girl, right? Because girls are okay. But do you think that's what she did? I doubt that's what she would have done. First of all, that's lying, right? And the Bible says cross-dressing is, is not what, what you're supposed to do. <laughs> I mean, we can do it for fun for, for a couple of times, but like to, to do that, I don't think that's what Jacob decided to do. So probably the best way is just to hide the existence of baby altogether. But what do you do when the baby cries? What do you do about the big belly? Like you had a belly and all of a sudden the, the belly is gone even though the belly may not go away. I realize that when you give birth, that the belly doesn't go away completely. You don't get flat, right? (laughs) Baby's only like six pounds, seven pounds. Um, If you're not a dad yet, if you haven't gone through that experience, you will know what I mean (laughs) when that time comes. But um, so I was wondering, how was that possible? How is it possible that they were able to hide the baby. Uh, This is not in the Bible, but this is in the Jewish tradition. How they did it was that when when Amram and Jacob had gotten married, um, they purposely got divorced at about three months. And then they got remarried again. They remarried. So um, the, the Egyptian soldiers were counting the days from the, the second marriage or the remarriage. So when, when she was already pregnant three months, but they were thinking, okay, now you got pregnant, and they were thinking. So about three months of gap was there. That's what they were saying. I'm not sure if that's true. That's just what they're saying. But I, whatever happened, they were hiding the baby for three months. That's what the Bible says, and that's for, that's for sure. So it's just thinking about how that is possible. It's just, I don't know. And verse 1 also says that they, they saw the baby when the baby was born, and the baby was a fine child, and they decided to keep the baby instead of tossing the baby into the river, obeying the decree. I understand how a mother would do her best to keep the baby, right? I understand. Um, but what made them risk their lives to save the baby? Because do you think there were some mothers who, who obeyed and lost their babies? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure a lot of Jewish moms lost their babies. Their hearts were broken, ripped as they did that. But they lost their babies. But so why is it that they decide to keep the baby? Because the Bible does say the, the baby was a fine baby. The Hebrew word tov, meaning good, like when God said God, let there be light, and God saw it was good. The word, same word, tov, 
is used. So, again, the Midrash, the, the Jewish Old Testament commentary, says that when, when the parents saw the baby, the baby was good enough to, to fit to be a prophet. What does that mean? So it's possible that the, when the baby was born, the house was filled with light. Um, or the baby was born circumcised. So that's what they were saying, the Jewish commentaries were saying. We don't know for sure if that, what, what that happened, if that is what happened. But one thing for sure, they saw something and they decide to keep the baby, risking their lives, the whole family's lives. We need to keep this baby. For three months, they tried so hard. Okay? But let's think about it. Why was the order to kill all the baby boys there uh, first? Why was Pharaoh trying to kill all the babies? If you read uh, Exodus 1.9, it says, Pharaoh was thinking the Israelites were too many, too numerous, and therefore, they're going to rise up against us. Or when the enemies come attack, they will join the enemies and they will fight against us. So we need to control them, make them work, and kill all their babies, male babies, keeping the girls alive, but keeping all the boys, and killing all the boys. Um, that's, that was number one reason. But do you think, really, the superpower of, at that time, the world at that time, were fearing the number of the Israelites. How many people were there in, in Israel in living in Egypt? Well, when they came out, we know the number of how many people came out of Egypt. That is in uh, Exodus 12, 31, 37. Exodus 12, 37 says 600,000 men came out of Egypt. So that could mean anywhere between 2 million or more. If you're thinking about men, and wife and some children, okay? So that's, that's what we are thinking. So people who, who are in the wilderness is about two million. That's what we are uh, guesstimating. Um, so two million people. So the population of San Diego is about 1.5 million in 2018. So maybe a little bit more today. That's how many people they are. So just imagine every single person you know that are living in the, the county of, counties of San Diego. They're all moving at the same time. Every single one of them moving with all their household goods, their animals, everything. It's just how crazy it is. But that's the number, about a little bit more than that because it's 2 million instead of 1.5. So that's how many they are. But Egypt was much bigger country, greater country. So I don't think it was that that he wanted to, he was scared of the number and the power of, of uh, Israelites there. What went on behind or beneath the, the reason is this. Here, I want to read from um, Patriarchs and Prophets, page 242, paragraph 1. It says, Satan was the mover in this matter. He knew that a deliverer was to be raised up among the Israelites. And by leading the king to destroy their children, he hoped to defeat the divine purpose. So who was behind this? Satan was behind this. So what he did was that, you know what? Is Satan a, does Satan study the Bible? Yes. 
Believe it or not, he is a very diligent student of the, of the Bible study. Bible. He studies the Bible more than you and me. And when he studied the Bible, he realized, you know what? God is going to raise up a deliverer, a leader, to lead God's people out of this bondage of Egypt, and he's going to bring them to the promised land. I need to get rid of the leader. So he impressed upon Pharaoh's heart, you know what? There are too many guys. We need to get rid of them. Kill all the male boys. That's what happened. That's what happened. Now, something similar happened at the time of Jesus. Remember that? It was Herod the Great who did that. But basically doing so, you know what, what else the greater purpose he's trying to do? He, well, Satan was trying to get rid of Moses. First reason, first purpose. But second purpose is to get rid of who? By getting rid of all the male uh, Hebrew men in history, he's trying to get rid of the appearance of the coming Messiah. So the seed of woman that was promised in Genesis 3.15 cannot be fulfilled at the time of the, the, the prophecy. So Satan is trying very hard to do that. But you know what? God has his people, his faithful people like Amram and Jochebed, who risked their lives to save the babies. Like Moses, like, like, like Joseph and Mary, to save baby Jesus. So God always wins. God always wins. But God needs faithful parents, especially faithful mothers like Mary and Jochebed. And that's how God works. So that's what happened. It says they could hide no longer, and she prepares a papyrus basket. And we talked about how papyrus basket, the words that are used to, to, to coat Pitch and tar, the exact same words were used in the time of Noah. So when Noah built the ark, that's the only two places in the Bible where those words are used. So the, the basket that Jacob prepared is the same thing as ark of uh, Noah's ark. That's what it means, to save people's lives. Um, but just think about it. When Jacob was weaving the basket, what do you think she felt? What do you think she might have gone through? the feelings that she had. I'm making this basket. Did she know that the baby will be saved in a miraculous way? She didn't know. She was praying. She was praying really hard for Moses' life to be spared. But she didn't know what was going to happen. She was just praying hard and making the basket, doing her best to save, spare the baby's life. And as she was weaving the basket, as she was coating the basket with pitch and tar, I'm sure she was heartbroken. I'm sure she was heartbroken. As she was placing, she was placing the baby in, in the basket and taking the basket to the river and, and um, putting the bas basket, the baby, on the river and kissing the baby for one last time and saying goodbye. I'm sure she was crying. She was so sad, heartbroken and praying. Uh, sometimes moms go through the same thing. Uh, moms, sometimes you don't know what, what to do, how to handle the situation. There is nothing you can do but to pray for your children, right? 
So when moms go through that, um, God watches you. God listens to your prayer. So moms, be encouraged. The God who listened to the prayer of Jochebed and, and answered the prayer, he's the same God, and he is there to answer your prayer. So moms, please be encouraged that God hears your prayer. Will she ever see him again? Will the basket be dripped away in the river somewhere? And will the alligators get to it first? Or will, when he's found, eventually found by somebody, will that be a soldier, Egyptian soldier, and just toss the baby into the river? Will it be another Hebrew woman? There's nothing they can do about it. Will it be another Egyptian person and say, you know what, this is a Hebrew baby. Just give it to the alligators. There, I mean, the chances of, of him surviving is just so slim. It's like 0.000001%. But she had the hope of, because it's going against the rules, going against the decree, going against the law. Basically, she's risking her life, everything. That's what she's doing. And now there is, in verse 4, there's a story of Miriam. How old was Miriam when that happened? Can you think about that? <laughs> so, what's the age gap between Moses and Aaron? Bible says there was three years. So, three years gap between Moses and Aaron. And Miriam is the, young, uh, the oldest of all. But there is no exact uh, number. So, we don't know. Possibly she was maybe three years older than Aaron, or possibly four or five years older. We don't know. But this girl was old enough to watch her youngest baby. If she was, okay, so Moses was three months old, Aaron three, and Miriam possibly six, seven, possibly ten. We don't know. Ashley is ten years old. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, a seven-year-old, a ten-year-old girl can do what Miriam did. She was there watching. And you know what she did? She was watching in a, in a distance. She didn't go too close, because if she goes too close, she could ruin the whole plan. She didn't go too far, not to observe what's going on. She was keeping the like, perfect distance, like we are keeping social distancing right now, right? <laughs> so she was keeping her distance. At the same time, she's observing what's going on. And when Pharaoh's daughter came and found the basket, guess what? Her heart was pumping, right? Like, yes, something's happening. Will she throw the baby into the river? What will she do? She's in a close enough distance to listen to the conversation and, and catch what's going on. But has she jumped in five minutes too early? Do you think things, things would have worked out? Five minutes too late? No. So she had this, I mean, amazing wisdom and the wit and the words she said. If she went and talked like, like, like some girls do, nonstop talking like blah, 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 blah. I mean, the princess would have said, you know what, go away. <laughs> or if she said it in a way that she couldn't really be understood, like 
you want some help? Like, I could go find somebody. And like, what are you saying? I, I'm too busy. Just go away. So she had this perfect courage and the ways to say it. Not too many words, not too few words. Just perfectly done. A seven-year-old? Possibly? Possibly ten-year-old? I don't know how, but she was able to do that. So Miriam, on the other hand, is an amazing girl here. Do you have an amazing sister? <laughs> Having a sister, a godly sister, an amazing sister, is a great blessing. I mean, we celebrate Mother's Day, but all the ladies here uh, in our life today, all the ladies need to be appreciated. So it's, I'm sure it's not just her. It's, it's God that has given her some wisdom. You know, in, in the last days, um, the inspiration says that there will be children that are playing, and all of a sudden, God will raise them up, and they will speak with authority, preaching the gospel. When that preaching is done, and they will go back to their playing, just like innocent children. So God can use, God, can, God who can use animals, God who can use rocks to speak up, can use children to speak up, if they are willing. So Miriam was willing. So praise God for someone like Miriam. And not only that, Patriarchs and Prophets shed some light, saying that it wasn't just uh, Jochebed planning everything. Okay, let's place the basket right on this side, this angle, at this time, so Pharaoh's daughter can come and, and see her. No, it wasn't that. It was the angels flying around and protecting the basket and impressing upon Pharaoh's daughter's heart to come and find the basket. So, human agencies and, and divine agencies working together for God's purpose. That's what needs to happen for success. It's not just God working. It's not just human us working. God has to work together with human beings for this to work. While that is going on, while the basket is floating, and Jochebed watching, and doing her, her tactics, like speaking and, and just... And talking about, about Miriam, one more thing. If there was any kind of job interview, any kind of interview, I think she would have passed every single one of them with flying colors. <laughs> just think about the things that she has said. She made this impossible task work. It was actually her. I mean, Jochebed did something, but it was actually mainly Miriam who made this work, right? So it's just amazing. But while Miriam was doing her part, what do you think Jochebed was doing? At home, praying. Nothing else she could do. Just praying. I'm thinking, does she fast? Fasting and praying? Probably. I think moms in that kind of desperate situation will do anything she could do. So probably been fasting for a few days, probably, as she was making the basket, making the plans to leave the baby on that water. So she's just fasting. Tears coming down from her eyes, probably sobbing and just crying her heart out to God. God, please save this baby. Do something. 
I did my part. There's nothing else I can do. Miriam's watching, but please, please keep her as well. Because, okay, think about it. If Pharaoh's daughter finds the basket and Miriam comes and says, hey, can I find a nanny for you? If she doesn't like it, what is the rule? What's the law? First of all, you have to kill the baby. And if you are somehow related, they could, she could probably find out she's related to this baby, right? If she wanted to find out. And the whole family. By finding out the baby, she could have killed the whole family. Yeah, very easily. But they're even e risking that to save Moses' life. So she's praying for many things. Safety of Moses, Miriam, her family, and whatever plan that God has. Or so that the baby will not be found in someone else's hand, but someone who has power to save him. Or maybe she doesn't know. She's just leaving everything up to God. God, this is your child. Do something. But she was praying. Definitely she was praying. And when Miriam came running to the house, Mom, Mom, please come here. Let me tell you what happened. And she couldn't even like say the right things. Like she's so excited. She's catching her breath and like, this is what happened. And, and Pharaoh's daughter is looking at, looking at the baby now. And Miriam and Jochebed, they're, they're probably running back to the riverbank. But, but think about this. Get this. When they came to meet the princess, do you think Jochebed and Miriam, they both were excited, showing their joy, like, yes, he can live now. Do you think they could have done that? No. Because by doing so, you're revealing that this is your child. That is telling her, okay, I broke the rule. What now? So, she couldn't show her emotions. How do we know that? Does the Bible give us any clue that she couldn't reveal her, her identity, her relationship with this child? Even though the princess might have figured it out, you know, woman's instinct, you know, like she knows for sure, <laughs> but it's not, it's obvious, but it's not obvious. They couldn't show it. Why? The scripture reading for today, verse 2 9, uh, Exodus 2 9, it says, uh, Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. The Bible says, when she said, okay, take this baby and nurse, for me, nurse him for me, I'll pay you. And what does the Bible say? So, the, so who took the baby? So the Moses' mother took the baby? No, it says the woman took the baby. I mean... Is her name, I, I, I told you, it's, it's Amram and Jochebed. We know the names because it says in, in later on, in like later on in the book of Exodus and also in the book of Hebrew, it, it talks about that. But in this part of the chapter, in book, book of um, uh, 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 chapter 2, it doesn't mention the name of mother or father or, or the sister. It doesn't mention any of the names. It says the woman took the baby, and took him back to the house to nurse him. So this mother, Moses' mother, became who? 
a nameless nanny. She couldn't reveal her identity. So even though she was so happy that now this princess is looking for a, a nanny and I could be the perfect one, I could now raise the baby, but she couldn't show herself. So she was crying, probably like her eyes are like all messed. I mean, her, her makeup all like all messed up and like, like panda eyes. And you, you know what it is? Like if you have, if you're wearing makeup and you're crying so much, I'm exaggerating. But um, she couldn't show her face of crying or any emotions. She went there as if like, hi, princess, do you need some help? I don't know this baby, but I'll be willing to take the baby and nurse him if you pay me. Sure, I'll take care of this baby. That's what she had to do. And that's exactly what she did. In her heart, she's like screaming for joy. Yes! <laughs> but she couldn't show it. She couldn't show it. So this nameless nanny, her heart was pounding. And she was running the whole way. And she wanted to see Moses' face one more time. And when she saw Moses' face one more time, and even probably Moses smiled at her too, realizing, recognizing her, his mother. But princess, knowing all this going on, doesn't say anything. And say, woman, take this baby, take my baby for me and nurse him for me. That's what happened. So praise God for all the mothers and all that went through. We don't really realize what really went through, but if you actually stop and think about it, that's what happened. Concealing her feelings. Um, yeah, it's just amazing how, how she did it. Uh, <coughs> here. Uh, Estee Baba Commentary says this, Jochebed had saved her son's life by transferring her rights as mother to Pharaoh's daughter. Now she received him back on loan as it were and merely as a nurse hired for his years of infancy. She gave him up that she might keep him, lost him that she might find him again, stooped that she might conquer. So many parents today, especially moms, would feel like you are losing your children. You have no control. You don't know what to do. But when you give it up, when you give your children up and give them to God's hands and God will take care of them. But as a mother, you have to do your part. Raising, praying, and, and giving the best environment you can possibly can. That would mean your family environment. That would mean your family worship. That would mean your personal example at home. If your children or children were asked the questions, what does your mother do all the time? What do you think your children will answer you? Answer not you, but other people, like interview, interview in, in their interview. What do you think they will say? My mom cooks all the time. My mom cleans all the time. That's true. But would any of your children say, my mom prays all the time? My mom reads her Bible all the time. How many of children will answer that? 
I'm sure Miriam and Aaron could have answered, my mom prays all the time. I'm sure they, they, they would have said that. So there is something that we can learn from Jochebed. You know, now everything changed. So yesterday, Jochebed was a slave girl breaking the law of the land at the time and trying to hide and conceal the baby. And, and this anxiety, the tremendous stress that, that she had, if she gets caught, not only the baby, the whole family dies. But today, what happens? She can now have the freedom to raise the baby, getting paid from Pharaoh's palace. She's on a payroll to raise the baby. All the food is all covered. Diaper all covered. All the baby toys all covered. She's getting paid to raise the baby. But she's not the mother anymore. She's just a nameless nanny. But she gave up that right to raise the child. But you know what? Even though she was not, not the legal mother anymore, she could have done something, and she had done something to the baby. How many years did she uh, live with Moses? Many scholars say maybe two, three years until nursed the baby, meaning until the baby was weaned and then the baby went back home. But Ellen White says that um, she kept him for 12 years and then Moses went back. So we believe that it's 12 years, not the scholars or, or commentators. 12 years. So 12 years, JJ is 12, almost 13. Ashley is 10. I'm, I'm relating, making the connection here with my family and my kids. What is it that she did to keep the baby for 12 years? Even though she's not the mother, but she is the mother, nanny, right? But then after that, he will go back to palace, a place where there's no God, where there are idols, where there's secularism, materialism, there is pride, there, is, there are sexual temptations. There are temptations for everything. Remember, Egypt was the superpower of the world at that time. They had everything available, and you are the next pharaoh. You have all the privileges that you want in the world. You have all the education you want. And that was Jochebed's education successful in keeping him safe and keeping him in God's care? Yes. Bible doesn't say anything that the 30-something years of, of his life until he runs back to Midian after killing an Egyptian. Bible, Bible is silent. We don't know what went on. But we know for sure that Moses had his mind correctly. He had his mission. And how do we know that is this. When Moses goes back, flees, well, he, he is trying to kill an Egyptian, trying to show his people that, you know what, I'm here to deliver you. He's trying to do his part, right? So he has his mindset there. But his, his method is all messed up. He's trying to do something on his own. God said, no, 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 that's not how I want, <laughs> want you to work. And he said, I need to like, clean you out from your, the system that you have, that, that Egyptians put in your mind. I need to like, put you out in the desert for 40 years so that you can be clean, cleaned up so I can use you then. But the basis of his heart was all, all set. What does the Bible say about Moses' character? He was the meekest man on earth, right? 
So he was the most patient, most humble man on earth. And that's why he was able to lead God's people for 40 years, people who are stubborn, who never wanted to listen to God. That's why he was able to do that. And that work was possible because of who? Jochebed, the mother's work. For how many years? Not 40 years, just 12. So I asked this question to myself. If my kids were out in the palace somewhere or in, in some other place, out of my sight, will they be able to choose God and be God's leader? Not, not only right now, after 20, 30, 40 years, after 100 years, will they be able to stand for God? That's the kind of education the mo Moses and mother gave Moses. So I, I want all my parents, especially moms, to be able to learn from Jochebed and be able to do that kind of education to your children and to your families. And we can learn that from Moses' name. The name, what does Moses' name mean? Bible says his name means drew out of, right? But that's actually not 100% accurate. The word Moses, in Egyptian word actually Moses, means the son of. It actually means, according to uh, the commentary, it says a child, a son, the one, the one born of. That's what Moses means in Hebrew. Well, not in Hebrew, in Egyptian. But the word Moses is very similar to, or in Hebrew, they only use the consonant, right? No vowels. Consonant. The word mashaha, um, masha, is drew out of in Hebrew. So if you look at the consonant only, it's the same word. But mashaha in Hebrew is one drew out of. But the word Moses means the son of. Son, uh, the child, that's what it means. So if you look at the Hebrew or Egyptian names, um, sorry, I'm getting mixed up with the older names, Hebrew and Egyptian. But Egyptian names like um, Ra Moses or A Moses or Ka Moses, meaning Ra Moses, meaning son of Ra. Ra is the sun god. So basically, Ra Moses, or later on the name changes to Ramses means the son of God, or the sun god. Or Ka Moses, meaning the son of Ka god. Ka god meaning the one god who deified soul. Or uh, A Moses, meaning the son of A, or the moon god. That's what it means. So I'm sure when Moses' mother, or the, the daughter of Pharaoh, gave Moses the name, it wasn't just Moses. It was probably one of those names, either Ramoses, Ramses, or Amoses or Kamoses or something, one of those Egyptian names. But when Moses ran away, fled to Midian uh, desert, he drops the prefix, I'm not the son of the sun god or the moon god or whatever god you call me. He's been called that name for 30 years in the palace, but he loses the name, that name and says, I am Moses, the one drew out of the water or son of God per se. That's how we know that he has been determined to do that. You know how we see that, how people try to change their names in like the story of Daniel and his friends when they went to Babylon? They, they, all their names got changed, right? So that's what's happening. And the mother's influence. Uh, okay. 
I need to cut my short time's up. But um, here, I want to share these quotes with you, um, and then I will end. The first quote is found in Patriarchs and Prophets, page 243, paragraph 4. It says, She felt confident that he had been preserved for some great work, and she knew that he must soon be given up to his royal mother to be uh, surrounded with influence that would tend to lead him away from God. All this rendered her more diligent and uh, careful in his uh, instruction than in that of her other children. She endeavored to imbue his mind with the fear of God and the love of truth and justice and earnestly prayed that he might be preserved for every corruption, corrupting influence. So she knew that what was going to happen, and she prayed and wanted to give that heart to Moses. And the next paragraph that I want to share is Patriarch and Prophet, page 244, paragraph 2, says, To a very great extent, the mother holds in her own hands the destiny of her children. This is a very solemn quotation, mothers. Just like Jochebed had a great influence on Moses' life and a great deliverer was born. And because of that, he is a type of Jesus who would lead God's people into the promised land. We today are now looking for leaders. God is looking for people who would be leaders of God, helping people into the promised land. Will your sons and daughters, moms, be the leader to lead God's people into the promised land? Will your sons and daughters be able to follow God's calling and be a great leader for God? Mothers, we appreciate you. We are so grateful for your love. And we know that your responsibility is just so enormous, so great. So we want to pray for you that you will be able to be that mother and the one who is holding the destiny of your children. We want to pray for you so that you'll be able to show that example to your children so that your children can have the influence from God and be God's people. How many moms want to, be, learn, want to learn from Jochebed and be like this godly mom influencing your children? And how many of you want to pray that you want to be that mom or pray for your wife, your moms, your ladies, your sisters to be able to be that lady giving the godly influence to the whole world so that we can go home soon? And I pray that we would pray for our moms and we would um, be ready for his soon coming and be that, be that leader that God wants us to be. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so grateful for our moms, our awesome moms, super moms, uh, the ones that are just so amazing, so loving, so caring, even the tiger moms, soccer moms. We have so many different moms in our lives, but every single one of them are amazing moms, Lord. But Lord, we pray that the moms that we have at our church, moms-to-be, uh, mother figures, and even the young ones, all the ladies at our church, we pray that you will please give them
the godly influence like Jochebed's life so that they'll be able to raise up their children, their future children, or their children figure, or their siblings to be next Moses. I pray that you please help all the ladies to have that godly influence. We also pray that you please bless all the moms to be healthy, to be happy, and to be loved so that we would show, everyone here will show our love and our gratitude to our moms. Thank you so much for showing your love to our moms and showing your love through our moms. Bless them, Lord. Thank you so much for giving us moms to all of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise team, please come on up.